morning, everyone. Um, if the slides were a little off this morning, you can blame me. I was back there.
Now, today's message is entitled, From Here to Eternity. I won't allow me today to get through this entire message. There's a lot to cover. And it will take at least two Sundays to get through it all that God wants us to know about heaven and about eternity. This entire message will focus on the grand questions of death, the promise of eternity, living here and now for eternity, and of course what eternity will be like. Now no one really likes to talk about death, especially our own, or someone else that we are very close to and love. Death is not usually a topic that comes up until someone hopefully is at the very last stages of their life, or lived a long life. The Bible, though, speaks about that all the time. From the very first few pages of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, God said that we would all die because of the fallen sinful world that we now all inherited. And the significance of dealing with, that's my grandson, <laughs> Um, the, the significance of dealing with death, it may seem obvious. There's no experience more common to all than death itself. The Reverend Billy Graham once said, death is the most democratic experience in life. We all participate in it. The question is not, though, if you will die. It's only a question of when. Now, the Bible does make some exceptions to this, that some of us may escape death if we are saved by Jesus Christ and are lucky enough to be around during the end days when he returns to take those Christians who are still alive on earth into his arms. And that will be an amazing day. Some of us refer to that day as the rapture. We don't know when that day will happen. It will happen one day. We just don't know the day or the hour. Hopefully it will happen soon. But if not, we're all going to die one day. But death is not something for a believer to fear. When we really study the Word of God, the Bible, concerning heaven and eternity. Because the believer will begin hopefully, as they study God's Word, to understand that God's world is centered around His desire to maintain a relationship with us by even overcoming death itself. This great love and mercy God has extended to all of us to give each of us life eternal through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, should cause all believers here and now to live in great joy, peace, and of course hope. To never fear anything that this world could bring upon us, even death. Last Sunday I knew that God wanted me to speak to you all about the confusion and all the chaos that is occurring more and more in this world and how the Christian needs to be careful not to get so caught up or deceived through all that confusion that this world brings. 
Because if we're not focused on what is righteous and what is true and where our hope is found, the confusion of this world and chaos will only steal away our joy, our peace and hope. The, the joy and the peace and the hope that we have is knowing where we are going, what is ahead of us. If you're in a saving and surrendered relationship with Jesus Christ. Now last Sunday I dedicated my grandson Maxwell to the Lord on behalf of his parents, my daughter and my son-in-law. And I want my grandson, Maxwell, to live a long life here on earth. I don't want any harm to come to him. And there are plenty of things in this world, including viruses and evil people, who can bring harm to my grandson and to your children and to your grandchildren, for that matter. But should we live in fear of this? You know, what are we ultimately fearing when we really think about it? For ourselves and for our children, grandchildren, we fear death. That's what many people fear, really, when it comes down to it. And that is why I shared those comforting words from Jesus last Sunday while dedicating my grandson to the Lord when Jesus said, let the little children come to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. That's awesome to know for your children. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. As much as I desire my grandson to live a long life here on earth, the reality is I just don't know what the future holds for my grandson on this current earth. None of us do. You don't even know what the future holds for yourself on this future earth, I mean this current earth. And that is why my daughter and my son-in-law have such a great responsibility as his parents to raise up their child in knowing the Lord. Because my grandson's future, as he grows from a child into an adult, is secure in the Lord. Hopefully my grandson lives to 70, 80, 90 years old here on earth. But that's such a short time, really, compared to eternity. That's what matters. His eternal destination. That's what matters for all of us. Our eternal destination. I remember quite a few years ago, um, Aaron and I planned a trip to Disney World and my youngest son, Owen, at the time, um, my sister-in-law is here. She was, she was on that trip with us, and my niece, she's around here somewhere. But at that time, my youngest son, Owen, was young enough yet old enough to appreciate the excitement of planning this trip. I remember the weeks leading up before we left for our trip to Disney World, Owen would ask me all the time, um, I can't wait to leave, Dad. How much longer? When are we going to leave? What, what are we going to do when we get there? All those questions, that excitement building up within him. Have you ever asked your father in heaven, how much longer, Dad? Now, don't get me wrong. This is not about having a death wish or anything like that, but it's about being excited to look upon Jesus with our own eyes, seeing and experiencing everything 
he promised to give his children. Now, I can tell you that I don't ask God, how much longer do I have to live? Because God wants me to live here. And I want to still live here on this earth for now. But see, I want to live for him, not this world. God wants me to live here for him, not this world. This world is not my home. And if you are in Christ, this world is not your home either. And if God decides to take me home, all the better. However, what I do ask God often is this, is how much longer until I see you, Lord? How much longer? I want that anticipation in my heart. I want to live in that kind of anticipation. I'm not looking forward to my death. I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. And in reality, one day he's bringing heaven here. What a great day that'll be. So let's take a look at some scripture today to remind those of us who are in a relationship with Jesus on where we are going and the hope of what lies ahead for us. And for those who don't or are, have a relationship with Jesus, this hope is still being offered to you freely. All you need to do to receive this hope is believe in Jesus as you confess your sins to him. Confess that you're a sinner and in faith ask him to forgive you as you surrender your life to him, to live for him. It's not about religion, it's about Jesus alone and his sacrifice and his resurrection who gives you life eternal. Now some of these scriptures that we will that I will share from God's word throughout the next two weeks, actually, will be merely comforting reminders of this truth and good news that you may know very well. Other scriptures will take a labor of understanding from the Holy Spirit to get a better perspective on what lies ahead for the believer. And some of these other scriptures may surprise you and stir your soul. But I know if you take these scriptures from God's word to heart, his word will infuse the depths of your soul to bring that excitement for the future. As if you were a little kid planning a trip to Disney World, but much better. When you live in that kind of excitement every day, there isn't much that can actually bring you down, at least in the long term. Now I'm going to start today by reading from the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 11 through 14, to show us first what it means to live on this earth in excitement, in excited expectation. It says here, I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is a gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken away from it. God does it so that men will revere him. So to live in this life here on earth in excited expectation and most of all in hope, you must first live with this eternal perspective. This is what these verses are about. Having this eternal perspective that comes by enjoying the gifts that God has already provided and given to you. 
enjoy what he has given. The writer of Ecclesiastes is acknowledging that God, first of all, wants us to be happy. He wants us to do good while we live on this earth, even if the world around us is broken. In summary, what God is telling us in this verse is enjoy life. Enjoy the gifts of life. Why? To show reverence to God. Because life on this earth is a gift from God. Even if the world is falling apart around you, you can still enjoy the goodness and the good that God has given to you. Because all goodness on this planet comes from God. And these words in Ecclesiastes tell us that God will never destroy the good. That goodness, thank you. And that goodness that we see in this world, that we experience in this world, will follow those who are in Christ to heaven. Think about that. Or into the new world when Jesus returns. Ponder that. Ponder the goodness. What is good in your life? Now, don't say nothing. Everyone can find something good in their life, even the most depressed person. For instance, seeing the goodness of a baby smile for the first time. I was watching my grandson Maxwell yesterday, and he was just smiling up a storm. That's good. That's goodness. Or maybe the goodness of being lifted up and encouraged by a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe it's just the goodness of holding your spouse's hand while going on a walk, knowing that you are loved. There's lots of goodness to find in the world. And when we read these words in Ecclesiastes, that goodness is never going to die. It's always going forward because it's of God. The goodness in your life comes as a gift from God to give you some little bit of heaven here on earth. You know what's crazy is that God gives those gifts to people who don't even believe in him. That's nuts, but he does. Think about that for a moment, and God's goodness will blow your mind away. I've heard people say to me before, I don't believe in God, what has God ever done for me? <laughs> Gave you life. <laughs> He loves you so much that he had his son die for you. Just the fact that you're breathing tells me and shows me 
all the good that God has done for you. You see, Satan wants us to focus on everything that is wrong. And God wants us to focus on his goodness because his goodness in your life is a glimpse of what is to come. It's just a shadow of God's eternal goodness, a shadow of heaven. But we see, but we still need to deal with the realities of the hardships and the difficulties of this fallen world. It's not that we just ignore it, they're there. But Satan will do all he can to bring us down and even destroy us through all the difficulties and hardships that this world throws at us by trying to take our focus off the goodness of God. So how are we to do this and not allow this fallen world or the enemy steal away our joy, peace, and hope? I read this quote from a pastor by the name of Larry Crabb. He once said, ever since that God expelled Adam and Eve from the garden and we lived, we have lived in an unnatural, broken environment, a world in which we were not designed to live, we were built to enjoy a garden without weeds, relationships without friction, fellowship without distance. But something is wrong, and we know it, both within our world and within ourselves. Deep inside, we sense we're out of the nest, always ending the day in a motel room, never at home. You see, we're all foreigners in this land. Some people don't realize it, but we are. This land we call Earth. This current planet that we live on was not the intended home that God made for us. That home was destroyed in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. This home we now live in is a broken home. In the Old Testament, the Israelites understood this very well. Listen to what they say in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 15. For we are aliens, temporary residents in your presence and as we as were all our ancestors, our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Now the writer of First Chronicles is not saying that the Israelites have, had absolutely no hope. What he is saying here is this earth is not their hope. This earth is not their home. They're foreigners to it. And even the goodness on this earth, it's just a shadow of the amazing things to come. It's a shadow of heaven. The faithful Israelites were always looking ahead for a hope that was to come, but it was not of this earth. The prophets spoke of this hope often, such as the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. And these words we often quote around Christmas time. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now we know who this child is who he grew up to become, this child who was promised over 700 years before he was even born. That child is Jesus Christ, or was Jesus Christ, and that same Jesus who this prophet Isaiah is talking about is, is saying he's one day he's going to set up his kingdom here. That the government will rest on his shoulder. There will be no more debates about Democrats, Republicans, socialism, communism, dictatorships, which king is better, which party is better. It's all done. That's a piece, that's something that we can look forward to. The Israelites were looking for the son to be born. You see, when Jesus was born, his true goodness, the true goodness of God, stepped into this fallen world 
to give us all a hope to look forward to. Jesus was born as an innocent baby, but that baby stayed innocent throughout his life because he was not born into sin. That baby grew up and that goodness never left him. Remember back at Ecclesiastes, God's goodness never is eternal. That's where the eternalness, the, the eternity is, is in Jesus Christ. That goodness never left him. It was how God intended all of us to be, all of us to become from the time that he created Adam and Eve. Perfect, without flaw. More importantly, God created Adam and Eve to be eternal. To live here on this earth forever in that garden that was perfect. But we know what happened. It got all messed up. <laughs> but God, being the good God he is, gave us a gift. He gave us Jesus to make all things right again. If you're struggling to find goodness in your life, all you need to do is look upon Jesus. His goodness is right there for you to take hold of where there is no fear, no fear of death, certainly. There's only joy, peace, and hope. He will then bring heaven down into your heart so you can live here waiting and living in an eternal with having an eternal perspective as you wait to go to heaven after you die or when Jesus returns to earth. Now listen to this next verse found in the New Testament book of Hebrews concerning the Israelites and their hope they saw ahead of them. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13, these, meaning the Israelites, all died in faith, although they had not received the things that they were promised, but they saw them from a distance and greeted them and confessed them that they were foreigners and temporary residents on this earth. You guys are starting to get the picture of their mindset. Why did these faithful Israelites, well, I mean, what did these faithful Israelites have before Jesus was born? Remember, those prophecies from Isaiah were written 700 years before Jesus was even born. What did these Israelites have? They had hope. And they believed in that hope and thus saw from a distance a Savior coming. Even though they lived in great times of difficulties. And of course they all died before they even got to see Jesus. But yet they lived in hope. You see the faithful didn't allow those difficulties of life that they faced on this earth to steal away their joy, their peace. And their hope, that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. They understood this very well, that this earth was not their home. This home, their home, was in the arms of their Savior, who was to come, even though they couldn't see him yet. There was a man by the name of Malcolm Muggeridge that I want to share a quick story with, who lived in the early 1900s. He was an English journalist and a prominent socialist politician in those days. He was so drawn to the idea of a socialist utopian paradise that he decided, which is crazy to me, he decided to move to the newly created communist Soviet Union where he thought it was the purest form of socialism. He was hoping there he would find the paradise he was seeking after in his life. Well, 
living in the Soviet Union, he quickly discovered that living in this socialist so-called paradise was not the paradise he thought it would be. He ended up giving his life, thankfully, to Christ while he lived there through one of the many underground churches. Now, thankfully, over the years, this man was able to escape the Soviet Union, becoming a very outspoken critic of socialism and communism. And speaking of the paradise that he finally, truly found in Christ that he was always seeking for, he wrote this, and pay attention to what he's saying concerning this um, foreigner, this idea of being alien in a strange land. He said, for me, there is always... There has always been, and I count it the greatest of all blessings, a window never finally blacked out, a light never finally extinguished. I had a sense, something enormously vivid, that I was a stranger in a strange land, a visitor, not a native, a displaced person. The feeling, I was surprised to find, gave me a great sense of satisfaction, almost ecstasy. The only ultimate disaster that can befall, on, befall us I have come to realize is to feel ourselves, this is the point here, at home here on earth. As long as we are aliens, we cannot forget where our true homeland is. You see, before this man came into a saving relationship, Malcolm Muggeridge was always thinking that this earth was his home. So he sought after some political philosophy to make his home just a little bit better, at least in his eyes why he was seeking after, but why that was why he was seeking after socialism to make his life better. But what was the reason, really, the true reason? It had nothing to really do with socialism. It had to do with something deep within his soul before finding Christ. That's something in this world and in this life, in his life, seemed wrong and out of place. It is there within us all, if we're honest, whether you're a believer or not. It's like a little flame deep within our soul that something is wrong. Something isn't right. And what this man discovered was no political ideal could fix that because the world was not our home. And he actually, when he discovered this, he was filled with joy. He's like, now I get it. Now I get it. Now, we won't have time today to explore in detail of what lies ahead, as I mentioned in the beginning, for those found in Jesus Christ, and we'll get into that next week. Let me tell you, it's going to be good. I've been doing a lot of study on, the, on heaven and the return of Christ. It's going to be good. God's word, that is. His promise. But God, what God wants us really to focus on today as we leave here is that eternal perspective and the nature within us here and now while we wait for the kingdom of heaven to be fully, to fully come. Now I'll just give you just a quick preview of what we'll be talking about next week as we think about this eternal perspective. Heaven is not just some far off distant place where we go after we die. One day again, Jesus in heaven is coming right here, right here to earth. When Jesus returns to make all things right, and those who have died in Christ before us, such as my son, maybe your mom, your dad, grandfather, grandmother, spouse, best friend, 
They're coming back with him. To receive their resurrected bodies to live here on earth with Jesus forever and ever and ever, just as the prophets spoke of. We'll get into that next week again. The ultimate question for us to, today is this, will you be there with him? There's little value in the hope of heaven or the hope of heaven to come on earth if you don't know how to get there. Hope to understand and overcome death itself. Your life was created by God with an everlasting love and an everlasting purpose. And I'm out of time today, so I'm just going to make it very clear. God loves you. Jesus loves you. And he came. I forgot I got the microphone here. <clears throat> he came to die for you. And he rose again so he can, you can rise with him when you die. That's what it's all about, to make it all right again. And as you wait for him, realize this is not your home. And believe it or not, when you think that way, it makes living here a lot easier. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for all of us. Lord, help us and remind us continually, Lord, that, that um, of the goodness that is in this world is all of you. Help us to focus on that goodness. Help us to share that goodness with others who may not know or can't see it because we know that goodness, Lord, that is here now is just a shadow, is just a, a glimpse of heaven to come. Lord, we do pray for your soon return, but even as we wait, Lord, help us to live with that eternal outlook on life, that it's all going to be okay. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us and making it okay. We love you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen.